I said, give it up for Jesus one more time. Listen, I don't know if you know this about our church community, but this is not a quiet church community. This is a nice and loud. Come on, a quiet church is a dead church, and we got a church that is alive and well. I've lost my voice with all the screaming and all the yelling from yesterday. Um, But God is doing something special. God is doing something amazing. And what God has put in our heart to share with our church We are starting a brand new series. Come on, somebody. We are starting a brand new series. And this series is entitled, If Jesus Was My Relationship Therapist. I love that title right there. I don't know about you, but but, uh, have you ever been in that place where you feel like your relationship, your marriage, needs a little bit of help? I've been there, man. My relationship needs some help. But the powerful thing about this series, when we're talking about if Jesus was your relationship therapist, here's what I know, know about what Jesus has to offer. That he, what he gives you is not just going to be help for your relationship. He's going to bring healing to your relationship. And the heart of this series really begins from that place. That I, I started asking the Lord, what is it that you want to do with our church for the fall, for September and October? And I really felt like the Holy Spirit wanted to say, I don't want to have a series that's just going to help people with three practical or four practical steps. What I want to do is I want to bring healing to each relationship that is in this church community. I don't know about you, but I need, I want some healing over help any day. Amen. And so, so so I want to show you how powerful Jesus as a relationship therapist is in John chapter six, verse six. Listen to this. It says from that time on, this is one of the saddest verses in the Bible. Many of his followers turned back to their old way of living. I don't know about you, but I don't want to do relationships the old way. Hey, come on, somebody. I said, I don't want to do relationships the old way. I don't want to do relationships the way I did them when I was a teenager. I don't want to do relationships with the burdens of the past. I don't want to do relationships the old way. It says they turned back to their old way of living. They would not go along with him, Jesus, after that. Then Jesus said to the disciples, he looked at his followers and he says, will you leave me also? Are you going to stop following me because maybe what I said is good for you, but you don't, it's not popular. And I love Peter, and that's what we're really going to talk about today. Peter says, Lord, who else can we go to? You have words that give life that lasts forever. He says, you have words that, that have life that lasts forever. God doesn't want to just help your relationship. He wants to heal your relationship. And there's so many of us in this place that we've experienced some hurt, some wounds, some pain from relationships. And I feel like this is a season that he's bringing our church because he wants to do something in our church. And what he's saying, he says, I want to heal the way you do relationships. Do you know that, that God doesn't restore marriages? God restores hearts. And in restoring your heart, the byproduct is that you have a marriage and a relationship restored. 
so I just want to say, like, you might be in this place and, and maybe you even feel like, well, I'm single and I'm ready to mingle and I don't have a relationship right now and I'm good. Here's what I want to encourage you to do. Do not check out. You might need this message. You might feel like you don't need this message right now. But three months from now, you might need to go back and say, okay, the reason that I was in this room was not because of the now. I was in this room because I needed to put it in my back pocket so when I needed it six months from now. And God doesn't want just to heal your relationship. He wants to heal how you do relationships. So even if right now, listen to me, even if right now you're not in a relationship, even if right now, matter of fact, maybe you, you feel like your relationship is in cloud nine. You are having an amazing, amazing time. And it's like, oh my God, everything is perfect. I don't know if you exist, but if you are in this room and you feel like your relationship is perfect, there will be a time that you may go through a storm. And you might need to hear the words that are being shared through our relationship therapist, Jesus. Okay, okay, okay. So, 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 so Peter comes to Jesus on one of these occasions. And I love me some Peter because in Matthew chapter 18, verse 21 and 22, this is what he says. He says, it says, Peter came to Jesus. He says, Lord, if my wife keeps on sinning against me, I mean, <clears throat> If my brother, <laughs> Lord, if my, if my husband keep, I mean, uh, um, my, my brother and my sister, yeah. Lord, if my baby daddy keep back then. <laughs> How many times do I have to forgive them? Seven times? I love Jesus. No, not seven, answered Jesus, but 70 times seven. You know, I think that there's a revelation in this text that Jesus is saying, in order for you to have a successful relationship, in order for you to rehabilitate the way you see relationships, we got to become better at forgiving first. The title to my message is this. I think this is what Jesus wants to say to you today. I really believe this. That if you're in this room, you're going to use this and need this at one point in time. Maybe not now, but maybe sooner than later or maybe later than sooner. I don't know. But I think that you're going to need this word. He wants to tell you it starts with forgiveness. I think if you were sitting on the chair right now and Jesus was your relationship therapist, he would tell you it starts with forgiveness. If you want a relationship to last, if you want a relationship to grow, if in 20 years you want to be better and not bitter, it starts with forgiveness. Now, I want you to look at your neighbor and I want you to tell them, and even if that's your significant other, even if that's your hubby, even if that's your wifey, I want you to tell them like this. Maybe it's none of those. Maybe it's your future husband. No, I'm just... <laughs> She's like, I just invited them to church. What do you mean? <laughs> he prophesying right now. Whoever's next to you, <laughs> whoever's next to you, somebody's going to go home and be like, you heard what the preacher said? We're going to get married. <laughs> it's like, brother, I just invited you. Cut it out. Whoever's next to you, I want you to tell them, I want you to tell them it's time. No, no, it's time. It's time. We get better at forgiving. 
Look at the other neighbor, the one that you rejected, that when you look to your other neighbor, they were left alone abandoned. Look at that. It's time we get better at forgiving. Amen. Help me pray. Heavenly Father, we just thank you. We ask you to be our relationship therapist today. Jesus, we know that there's so many things we can hear and experience and read, but what we need are the words that last forever. We need the words of eternity, the words of the divine, the words of heaven to speak to us, God. We need it right now. One word from you. One word from you can change everything. So we submit ourselves. We lay ourselves on the counseling chair. And we say, speak to our hearts. We embrace you and we receive you. Help us become better at forgiving today, God. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. Give God a praise in this room. Um, <clears throat> I wanted to ask uh, you a question. Has, has anybody ever received some, some really bad relationship advice? Come on, somebody. No, don't look at the person next to you. This is not the time. No, but seriously, have you ever received, I would ask you to yell it out, but I think some of the advice you've probably received is so bad that it's uh, rated R and we can't do that in this place. But uh, how many of you know that there are some really, really, really bad relationship advice out there? Amen? I, 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 I prove it to you. I want to show you a couple of those examples. Here's number one. Have you heard of, have, have you ever got this kind of advice? Number one is this. Write this down. Do we have that? Have a baby. It'll save your relationship. Yeah, because there's something about you going through the worst time in your relationship that getting pregnant fixes it all. Come on. Like, it's terrible relationship advice. How about, a, how about this one? You need to lower your standards. Yeah, because I want to lower my standards and spend my, the rest of my life with someone who has none. Come on. Terrible relationship advice. Here's, a, here's one of my favorites. Their jealousy is not insecurity. It means they love you. Who in the... Oh, they're, just jealous. They're, not, they're not insecure. It's just that, you know, they, they're just telling... Yeah, because you checking my phone at 2 a.m. when I'm giving you no reason to doubt or distrust me tells, is you just telling me, baby, I love you. How about this one? Living together is a great way to test the waters for the future. Except that statistically that's wrong. When you actually move in together before marriage, the greater odds would be that you would separate or divorce. Terrible relationship advice. How about this one? Time heals all wounds except that I'm 80. And I still ain't got over what they did to me back then. Come on, somebody. How many of you know that there's some terrible relationship advice out there? Like so often we've allowed a meme to be our relationship therapist. Come on. 
So often we've allowed social media to be our relationship therapist. So often we've allowed a group in a podcast with single women and single men to be our relationship therapist. Come on, somebody. So often we've allowed that that friend of ours, you know, that girlfriend of yours that doesn't seem to be able to stick in a relationship and she telling you how to run your marriage. Come on, somebody. Somehow we've allowed them to be our relationship therapist, but the reason that we've called this series, if Jesus was our relationship therapist, is because I genuinely believe that in the next four weeks, if we were to just hear the words of Jesus, that if Jesus were to just speak into our marriage, if he would just speak into our relationships, if we would get the revelation that, that the Apostle Paul, oh, I'm sorry, the Apostle Peter got when he says, I don't know, Master, where would I go? There's nowhere else to go because within you are the contents that bring words that last forever. Uh, I, if we got that revelation, if we got the revelation that the centurion got when he said, Master, you don't need to go to where I'm at. I know my servant is sick, but you don't need to go where I'm at. Just speak the word. Just just speak the word. If we were to get the revelation that Jesus can speak a word, and the Bible says he sent forward his word and the servant was healed. What that means to me, that proximity doesn't stop or limit the word of Jesus. What does that mean? That it doesn't matter where your relationship is right now. It doesn't matter where you are today. It doesn't matter how far you think you are from being rescued. It doesn't matter how how far you are to being dead in your relationship. It doesn't matter how long you've been suffering. One word from Jesus. One word from Jesus. Jesus wants to speak into your relationship. He wants to speak into your marriage. He wants to speak into your household. I don't know about you, but it's time that we stop hearing from the gossip column and we start listening to Jesus. I don't know about you, but it's time we st- we put down the magazines that's telling us 20 ways that we can spice up our relationship and we can start listening to Jesus. I don't know about you, but it's time we put down the talk show host and we start listening to Jesus. I don't know about you, but it's time that we begin to look at Jesus as our relationship therapist. Is anybody in this place that can say, I'm ready to submit myself for the next four weeks and allow Jesus' word to speak into my relationship? If that's you, give God a praise in this room. Uh, Peter, Peter understood something about Jesus. Peter understood something powerful about Jesus that though people may have left Jesus, though people may have walked away from Jesus, though people may have not fully understood Jesus, though people may have not wanted to obey Jesus, he understood something about Jesus that Jesus contains words that give Life That upon obedience, it would produce life into my life. And I love me some Peter because, like, Peter was like the knucklehead of the group. Any knuck? No, don't raise your hand. It's not the time, right? But many scholars believe that Peter was the one that he would speak for the group. He was the one that would be considered as the spokesperson. He would be the one that was considered actually the elder of the group. Many scholars believe that he was the only one married of the group, which is curious because he was the only one to ask about forgiveness. Some of you guys are going to get that later. And I can imagine Peter, and he comes up to Jesus, and he's like, "Uh, excuse me, Jesus, um, how many times... Shall I forgive my, I mean, my brother and my sister who sinned against me? 
Seven times? And Jesus is like, up to seven times? You, you think that's what it's going to take to have a successful relationship, forgiving somebody seven times? I, I can imagine Peter because Peter is like, Peter reminds me of me. And, and I just look at Peter and I can just imagine Peter and I, like, you know, he's just like, yo, I, I, need, I need forgiveness help. And, but I could remember, I could imagine, anybody remember their honeymoon? Anybody had a happy honeymoon? Anybody years later are still in their honeymoon? I need this. Hallelujah. Somebody got a figure today, make it. Come on, somebody. Um, um, but I can imagine Peter in his honeymoon and, and just young Peter, he gets married. He's in his honeymoon phase. He's having a great time with his wife. And, and, and uh, I can imagine, you know, Peter's like, yo, baby, you know, I went fishing all night and, and I caught some stuff. But the best thing that I ever caught was you. Baby, 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 other people walk through the forest. Other people do trails, but you want to walk on water with me forever. And then reality sets in. All of a sudden, Peter is in the day in and day out about relationships. All of a sudden, he's not in the honeymoon stage. All of a sudden, he gets home from work one day and Mrs. Peter comes to him and says, you, you're, you, you know, you, you clean fish all day, but you can't clean your dish. And Peter's like, what in the, what in the, that's one. You know, you, you come home late every day and I have to be with these kids and I'm putting, I'm putting them to bed. I'm doing their homework and Peter's like, what in the world did I just walk into? But that's two. It was Father's Day and she didn't even put a public social media post about me. You know that if it's not on social media, don't count. Come on, somebody. And matter of fact, when it's your birthday, they got to go on each one of your social media platforms and say happy birthday and then make the phone call. Come on, somebody. That's three. What she did, what she went to her mother and spoke about our marriage? That's four. She put a post of Andrew Tate saying what it means to be a man. That's You know, I'm going to make this right. I'm going to make this right. Baby, you know, tonight we just, you know, it's just me and you. The kids, uncle. It's just us. And I'm just going to turn on the candles. And we're going to have a great old time. And she says, I got a headache. That's six and seven. Come on, somebody. All the men in the house say Amen. <laughs> And I can see like six and seven. Jesus! How many, how many times do I got to forgive? Because I'm on number seven right now. I, I don't know what is going on, but I need some help right now. I need, I need, I need, I need your words. I need you to speak into my life. And what Peter is speaking about is actually the accumulation of offenses. When he's talking about how many times do I forgive somebody, here's what he's not talking about. He's not talking about this toxic physical abuse kind of thing. So when we're talking about relationship, when we're talking about forgiveness, you know, I want to be clear that what we're talking about, what Peter's talking about is these constant, what seem insignificant, but they'll stay lingering 
over. It's not, it's not like this toxic abuse that's going on. Some, some of the best relationship advice that you can get in one of those toxic abusive relationships is walk away. It's time to walk away. We've literally sat down with people in our living room and said the best thing for you to do right now is, ¿sabes qué? Chuck the deuce. I want to get a t-shirt that says, you see that breakup? Made by Pastor Ron, Pastor Lisa. Come on, somebody. <laughs> but what we are talking about, you'd be surprised that what kills relationships oftentimes are not these big toxic situations in a relationship. I can't tell you how many relationships we've also sat with and we have realized that what's killing the relationship are not these huge situations. Are, it's these, these offenses that happen over and over and over that have never been applied forgiveness. What is destroying our relationships, I think what Jesus would say to us is, listen, what's happening right now is that each offense that seems insignificant, that seems like it's just there, but what it's doing, it's lingering, it's festering, it's poisoning, it's continuing to do damage little by little. And what it really needs, it's need, it needs forgiveness. And Jesus' response is, Peter, 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 oh, seven times? married folk in the house how many of you know 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 seven times come on come on come on come on come on come on I love when people come up to me like you don't know what they did to me I'm like I can't believe she did that I'm like she did that to me seven times come on cut it out seven times are you kidding me that is nothing to the amount of forgiveness that you got to be able to extend to have a successful relationship. Yeah, yeah. That was a loud yes from Aileen, John. I'll just say <laughs> that was a strong one. She said yes. <laughs> it's like, Peter, you're out of your league here. You think seven times is going to cut it to have a, 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 a flourishing and a, a fruitful relationship? Do you not understand relationships? Do you not understand, like, sometimes I think what happens is, is that we kind of buy into the fairy tale and we think that we're going to be in a relationship and nothing is going to happen. No one, like, I love, he's, he'll never hurt me. I, I just know he'll never hurt me. And I just, oh, yeah, she'll never do me dirty. She'll never do. Newsflash! She's going to hurt you. He's going to hurt you. And I'm not talking about abuse here, but what I am talking about is that expectations will not be met. Disappointments will happen. Someone's going to say something they may have not or they shouldn't have said. Someone will say something in anger maybe they didn't mean at the moment. Someone will disappoint you in some way. Listen, if you are in a relationship, offenses will happen. Trials will happen. Obstacles will get in the way. Storms will occur. It will happen. Sometimes we buy into this fairy tale. Like, I, John texted me the other day. He was like, hey, are you okay? I'm like, I'm chilling. And he was like, oh, because I started feeling neglected. <laughs> True story, right, John? And I said to him, get in freaking line. <laughs> I was like, your wife has had COVID for six days and I haven't even texted her. 
And then I screenshotted a conversation I was having with my daughter about splitting myself so I could be there for Lisa after I came from Vegas and be there for her. And I'm like, she's like, but I want to see you, Dad, before I start school. I'm like, yeah, but my wife wants to be with me, and I, and I don't know what to do. I'm like, so what? You know what, John? Get in line. Everybody in my life is neglected. ¿Sabes qué? In relationships, you will have disappointments. You will be offended. I have forgotten birthdays. Like a, oh, that was a strong one for me too. Okay. You will be disappointed. You will be hurt. And I think sometimes the reason that we think that our marriage is a nightmare is because we've been expecting a dream. We've been expecting the fairy tale. We've been expecting the movie, oh, Peter, oh, Peter, oh, Peter, oh, Peter, seven times? You bugging, 70 times, seven. 70 times, seven. Peter, I want you, I want you to know this, Peter, that if you want to succeed at love in a relationship, you need to become a better forgiver. Have you ever felt like... Um, <clears throat> Like, you look at your love, and you're like, yeah, that thing is broken. <laughs> it's like, yeah, my love is broke. Like, you ever felt like that? Like, seriously, like, you look at your love, and be like, it ain't, this ain't working. It ran out of batteries. Something's happening. I don't know what's going on with my love, but it is broken. It's not working the way it's supposed to be working. And I remember when I was 18 years old, I bought my first car. It was a 1988 Chevrolet Lumina. Come on, somebody. 1988 Chevrolet. I bought it for $1,500. And the guy knew I had $2,000. But he was like, hey, just pay me $1,500 because you're going to need $500 to register it and all that and put gas and get it. I was like, look at this guy. Not all car salesmen are sleaze. There, there, there's some honest people out there. Come on. And this guy hooked. No, that wasn't for you, Stephen. I'm just like, they have five. Steven is a car. Anyway, we got some car salesmen with integrity. Come on, somebody. And, 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 and I ran the car. It was like, that was my baby. I was running that car. All I thought it was, I needed was gas. I would put gas and I would just drive. I went to Pennsylvania. I, I drove everywhere with that baby. Six months later, that six months later, that baby did not start. Because here's what I didn't know at 18. That a car engine needs See, for six months, I was depriving the motor from what it needed to flow smoothly. <sighs> Friends, can I say this to you? A relationship and a marriage without forgiveness is like trying to run a car engine without oil. See, I love, if love is the engine to a marriage, then forgiveness is the oil that the motor needs to run smoothly. I love what the book of Proverbs says. It says in Proverbs 17 verse 9, love prospers when a fault is forgiven, when a transgression is forgiven. Love flourishes. Love prospers. Love succeeds. Can it be that the reason we feel like our engine ain't running right is because we're not feeding it the oil it needs to function properly? Flip it over. Can it be that the reason love in our relationship is not prospering is because the oil of forgiveness is not flowing? 
So what do we, so what do, we do to fill our love engine with oil? Well, he says, Peter, seven times, like 70 times seven. And then he goes on to say like this, this amazing story. He's, he's like, he's like um, let me break it down. Like forgiveness is like a kingdom. It's powerful. Forgiveness is like a kingdom that had a king that sat on a throne. And just let's pause right there because here's what I know. Here's what I know. You can see what kind of forgiveness you have by who sits on the throne of your heart. See, because forgiveness starts in the kingdom. He's like, let me break it down to you. It's a kingdom. See, if the king sits on the throne of your heart, then grace, mercy, and compassion are extended. But when is your wounds and your hurts and your offense that sit on the throne of your heart, then resentment and anger and bitterness are what are extended. And Jesus says, man, forgiveness, it's like a kingdom, which is to say that this is much more than natural. I can't forgive. Yeah, that's right. Neither can I. I can't forgive. Like you, like, yeah, that's because you've been trying to do it the natural way. And in the natural way, it is impossible. You've been trying to do it the practical way. And the practical way is, in, is impossible. I can't forgive. Yeah, you're right. Neither can I. But forgiveness is like the kingdom. And there was a king who sat on a throne. And, and I need you to hear this very, very clearly. That forgiveness is the currency in the kingdom that pays for the love that you need to flow freely in your life. I'm going to say that again. That was bars. Thank you very much. Hashtag, come on, somebody. <laughs> forgiveness is the currency in the kingdom that pays for the love that you need to flow freely in your life. Somebody ought to give God a praise for that. And sometimes we are questioning the quality of our love while you don't realize you've been suffocating your love with unforgiveness. See, Jesus says there was a king. And forgiveness is like a king in a kingdom who had to settle accounts with his servants. And, and the Bible says that this servant came up to the king and he says, King, I owe you so much, but would you forgive me for my debt? Give me some much time. He doesn't even ask for forgiveness. He says, give me some time to pay off my debt. And the king says, no, I'm sorry. I've given you enough time. You're going to have to pay this debt. As a matter of fact, the truth is in that time that you would sell your family so that they can pay off the debt and they can work for the king so that they can eventually pay off the debt. And so he, said, he gives them this payment plan. Hey, you can, you can pay off this debt. And the servant says, please, just give me more time. I'm going to take care of it. My family's not at fault here. My children are not at, not at fault here. Let me pay the debt. And the Bible says this about this king. It says the king felt Sorry for him. He had mercy on him. He had compassion for him. And so he forgave him the debt and let him go. I want you to notice that he didn't, he didn't minimize the debt. See, sometimes we think forgiveness is just undermining what was done. See, we have the wrong impression of forgiveness is that we think that it's just, uh, you know, you know, and sometimes we forgive like that's, it would, it's whatever, it's nothing. Come on, I call that the shoulder struggle. Come on, you know what I'm saying? Whatever. 
Like, this is like, all right, whatever, whatever, whatever they did. Yeah, it is what it is. I, I, I moved on. I moved on. No, you haven't moved on because your shoulders wouldn't be moving like that if you did. <laughs> See, forgiveness is not minimizing the debt. It's acknowledging the debt in, it, in its totality. But having the grace fortitude to, to release forgiveness over that debt that was owed. It's, it's having the, the, the empowerment, the strength to forgive no matter the offenses that have been committed against you. It doesn't mean that you're a punching bag. It doesn't mean that you sit there to be abused. But it means that you're in a position, a high position in the kingdom that you are a recipient of God's grace. And God's grace doesn't just forgive you of sin. It actually empowers you to forgive others with no problem. I want you to write the first thing that Jesus would say to Peter when he's talking about forgiveness. Hey, Peter, how are you? How's everything? I said, I'm chilling, Jesus. But you know, Andrew Tate. <laughs> I, think, I think this is what he would say to, to Jesus. I think this is what he would say to Peter. Number one, write this down. I'm going to give you two pieces of advice, and this is going to transform your life. Again, this is not to help you. This is to help you heal. Is to heal you. Here's, here's, here's what you need to hear. You must receive a greater revelation of God's forgiveness. If we're ever going to become better at forgiving, I know that this, this might sound very simplistic, but I really need you to get this. Like, like sometimes like I talk about grace and sometimes we're like, yeah, I get grace. Like you don't get grace. Like I remember I was preaching grace for a while and I heard about grace forever. Like I've, I've been raised in church all my whole life. I've seen everything. Like I've seen, I've seen, you know, the circus at church. I've seen it all in church. And I thought I understood grace, but I didn't have a relation of God's grace. I remember Maylene, she's like, she came back and she's like, no, I thought I understood grace. But what I know now, I didn't know back then. And back then, I thought I knew it all. But now I received a revelation of God's grace. It's different. So, so, so Jesus would say, you must receive a greater revelation of God's forgiveness. Now, when I say revelation, it doesn't mean that something new is falling upon you. What means that you can see clearly what's already been there. And sometimes what's stopping us from getting that revelation is that we don't have the curtain pulled back all the way. And so we minimize the things that God has done for us. We minimize all that God has extended to us because we only have partial view. But when you get a greater revelation of God's grace, my goodness it will change your life. When you get a greater revelation of God's goodness, it will transform the way you love people. When you get a greater revelation of who Jesus is, it will change the way you see your spouse, the way you see your husband, the way you see your wife, the way you see your kids. The way It doesn't just stop with your home. You'll have enough love and forgiveness to extend even to your co-workers, to the person that cut you off, to the person that skipped you in line, to the person that got the promotion, to the person that gossiped, uh, gossiped about you all the way there, I'm telling you, God will fill you with such love. <sighs> See what happens, what happens, the man, he, he gets mercy extended to him. He gets forgiveness extended to him. And the Bible says that he walks out of the king's chambers and he walks and he sees a guy who owed him just a couple of hundred dollars. 
And the Bible says he yokes him up. Now, how much did he owe the king? Millions of dollars. Many scholars believe millions of dollars. He would have never been able to pay it. But he goes into, I love the way George says it, in the church parking lot. Like, yo, you owe me. I gave you $300 to the dollar of coupons, and you never paid. You never paid it back. I, I, I need to put you in jail. What did he just do? Oh, he minimized the grace that was extended to him and magnified the offense that was made to him. I want to show you this powerful revelation that is found in Luke chapter 7. Listen to this. Verse 747, verse chapter 7, verse 47. This is another scene where a woman with a promiscuous past, many believe that she was possibly a prostitute. The Bible says that she enters Jesus' chambers. And he's in the house of Simon. Look what it says. She begins to wash Jesus' feet. And then Jesus says this, I tell you, the great love she has shown proves that her many sins have been forgiven. But whoever has been forgiven little shows only a little love. Can I ask you this question? Has anybody ever been forgiven a little by God? You know who thought they were forgiven a little by God? The Pharisees. You know why? Because they were keeping the law. And so, the, so what they saw that was coming from God was just a little bit of grace because they were doing their part through works. And you could see the kind of quality of forgiveness you have by the kind of relationship you have with God. Why? Because if you think that only a little bit of your sins are forgiven and the rest you got to work for, how do you think you're going to treat others when they need forgiveness from your life? Oh, they're going to have to work for it. Oh, they better come correct. Come on, somebody. How many know, right? Like, they got to come. They got to get on their knees. Like, I'm sorry. I, 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 I'm sorry. And you're like, too late to apologize. It's too late. Right? It's already been done. It's over. And, and here's, here's what you need to understand. That you can't give somebody the power to determine if you walk free or not. I don't know about you, but I'm, I'm not going to give somebody the remote control to my life. I don't know about you, but I'm not going to let your ability to feel bad for what you did to change how I live. I'm not going to allow your ability to recognize your wrong to determine whether I live free or not. Listen to this. Forgiveness is not a reward we give to others as a response of their remorse. It's a gift we give as a reflection of God's grace. It's not a reward that we give to others as a response to their remorse, as a response to them asking for forgiveness, as a response to their apology. No, my forgiveness to you is not a response or a reward for how you reciprocate or how you apologize. No, my forgiveness towards you has nothing to do with you. It has to do with God's forgiveness towards me. And so the reason I can forgive my wife and the reason she can forgive me is because there is a king on the throne of my heart and he he forgave me for my past. He forgave me for my sins. Oh, my God. I can't let my offender become the decision maker of whether I walk free or not. Whether they apologize 
whether they recognize they're wrong, none of that is going to dictate whether I, I forgive them. What empowers me to forgive is the revelation of God's forgiveness for me. Come on, somebody give God a praise in this house. Your freedom is worth it. Come on, somebody. Your freedom is worth it. Your peace is worth it. Your love quality is worth it. Your grace is worth it. I'm not going to let somebody offend me to the degree that it changes who I am in Christ Jesus. I'm not going to let you mess with my freedom. I don't know about you, but is there anybody in this place that can say I'm going to walk free because I got a great revelation of what Jesus has done for me. Had this, had this servant been like the promiscuous woman, he would have saw the guy in the parking lot. He'd be like, yo, 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 Fred, 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 I just came for the king. I just came for the king. Oh, my God. I owed him a million dollars, and Fred will be so embarrassed because Fred knows that he owes him some money. And Fred's like, listen, listen, I, I, oh, man, I thought you were running up to me. I, I got, I'll give you $50 right now, and I'll give you the rest. He said, no, 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 Fred, 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 listen to me, listen to me, listen to me. I just came from the king's court. And I owed him a million dollars and my family was going to put, be put in bondage and my family would have had a curse and I would have been there for the rest of my life. But not only was the debt sealed and the debt covered, I'm a free man. I'm a, Oh yeah, but I owe you money. Don't worry about the money you owe me. I'm a free man. That's worth than any kind of money that you could ever pay me. I'm a free man. We need to get a greater revelation of the grace of God. Because if we don't, listen to me, if we don't heal from the wounds that have been caused in our heart or the wounds that have been afflicted on us, then we will pass on that pain to our children. We'll pass on to that, that pain to those around us. See, see, see sometimes... We're in a new relationship with old unforgiveness. You're in, a, you're in a new relationship, but you don't have the relational equity, neither do you have the forgiveness equity to extend forgiveness because you've been bankrupt from, from wounds and hurts and ability to even stand from the previous. You're, you're in a new relationship, old forgiveness, old unforgiveness. And that passes on to our children because how many of you know that we start giving advice from that hurt place because it's our wounds that are sitting on the throne of our heart. Don't, you, you can't trust no man. Psh, women? Psh. I always say women can't live with them. Can't live. All right, it's not time to come in. You should have just gave me the look. I understand, Pastor Ro. See, when you remember what they did, you'll transfer your pain. But when you remember God's grace... He'll transform your pain. Somebody give God a praise in this room. Let me give you the last point today as, as the uh, musicians come up for now. I want to I give you this last point. Jesus would look at Peter and say, hey, Peter, you know, this story that I tell you, here's what you need to know. Like, it's not really about the numbers. You're over here sitting, wondering how many times I got to forgive you're still trying to love on a budget. How many know that? I went to Vegas without a budget. You know how 
good that felt? Part of it, partly because it wasn't my money. Come on, somebody. <laughs> Guess what? It's not your forgiveness. It's been given to you. <laughs> and you're still trying to forgive on a budget and love on a budget. Peter, you're still counting. Well, how many, how many, how many can I? Jesus is like, no, nah, I freely gave that to you. The king freely gave. Let me give you the last point. You must release what you've been given freely. I was able to go to Vegas without a budget because it was given freely to me. I didn't have to really worry about what. It's like, what, Bishop? You want, you want $30 sushi? Go for it. Go for it. Why? Because we got it. We're good. Don't worry about it. What? You want a $25 spring roll like this? <laughs> Go for it. It's been freely given. I can freely give. <laughs> and that's what Jesus is saying. You must release what you've been given freely. What you've been given freely. Look what, look what uh, the king says to this man, this servant who yoked up the person who owed him a couple of hundred dollars. He brings him back to the, to the courts. He's like, what? He did what? After I, and he says, shouldn't you have mercy on others? Just as I had mercy on you. Shouldn't you? Like, let's just. Work this thing out. Didn't I just forgive a million dollar of debt to you? The king gave forgiveness freely. And it's as if, it's as if the king had an expectation. See, he didn't give it with conditions, but he did have an expectation. Because the reasonable expectation of a person who's been forgiven a greater debt is to see them forgive someone of a lesser debt. Reasonable expectation. It's as if Jesus is telling Peter, Peter, I'm the king. I've forgiven you so many times. I think on the cross, Peter would see the, the full picture of the king. See, this was happening before the cross, but then he would see the complete demonstration of Peter's sins being forgiven. And then seeing Jesus resurrect. And then Jesus coming and being with them and filling them with the Holy Spirit. And I wonder if Peter, at one point in time, started making much of God's grace instead of the offenses of people. I wonder if Peter ever sat down never thought it's hard for me to forgive others after the cross I would submit to you that it wasn't I think Peter found it easy to forgive others after the cross because after the public demonstration of his sins being placed on the cross forgiven after seeing Jesus Christ give up his life for what we have done Peter's like Jesus you forgave me for being ignorant of every single one of your parables, 
Jesus, you forgave me when I tried to block the children to come to you. Jesus, you remember that time you forgave me when I tripped up and started sinking when I was walking on water? Jesus, you forgave me when I tried to stop you from fulfilling your purpose. Jesus, you forgave me when I denied you washing my feet. You forgave me when I denied you three times. You forgave me when I should have been at the cross and I wasn't. You forgave me freely. Now I can give freely what I've received. Colossians chapter 3 says, make allowance to each other's faults and forgive anyone who offends you. Watch this. Remember. The Lord has forgiven you. You must forgive others. Now we can't see that as, okay, these are my marching orders. Sometimes we read the Bible the wrong way. It's like, God has forgiven you. You must forgive others. No, it's like, God has forgiven you. When you get a revelation of how much God has forgiven you, it's like you must forgive others. It's like that's what it produces in you. I promise you, I would. I went walking an entire summer. An entire summer, I was going, doing my four-mile walk. And I would do this forgiveness meditation every single day because I don't want my heart to be suffocating my love. And, and there was a time in the forgiveness meditation, it says, and I want you to say that person's name. And for two and a half months, guess whose name came out? Lisa. You know why? Because the enemy knows that the greatest gift God has given you is your spouse. And he just wants to demonize your spouse to create separation and to destroy your life. Now I do it proactively. She don't even offend me. And I'm like, I forgive that girl. I forgive her with all my heart. Okay, so, so, so this is part of your, well, the hippocampus. Now, Matrix students, you know exactly what I'm about to say. There's this part of our brain, it's called the hippocampus. Now, this part of the brain is responsible for bringing up memories of the past. So what it does is that it transfers things from your short-term memory to your long-term memory, but it could also pull things up from your long, it's like a library. And oftentimes what happens is, is that your hippocampus will be activated and you'll bring up a memory of the past that maybe was painful. Anybody ever had that? Like you, brought, you had a painful memory of the past? Here, here's what you need to know. Neuroscience has seen that that memory, memory, when you're bringing it up to the past, it's, it's, when, it's in, when it's in your heart, when it's in the long-term memory, it has a print. The print cannot be moved. It's just in you. In other words, you're functioning from that place. Okay? You're functioning from that place. It cannot be moved. But when you bring it to consciousness, now you bring it to your current memory, it becomes malleable. It actually is able to be molded. Here's what they found. This is what, the, the, the memory cannot go back into your subconscious the same. It has two choices. It only goes back worse or it goes back better. It's like when you take an, an ice tray, it's frozen. But once you take it out of the refrigerator, what begins to happen? It begins to defrost. And now you can shape it and put it into a different ice tray. And it could take a different shape. And now you can put it back into the refrigerator. That's what the hippocampus does. So when God brings up a memory. And you're like, I can't forgive them. The reason that you're getting bitter and not better. Is because it's going back into your subconscious. More stronger than it ever has. 
and all the while the enemy's conquering territory in your heart when God has given you the ability to bring it up to consciousness and I submit every thought captive to the obedience of Christ and now when it goes when I bring it up to consciousness I can see what they did to me through the lens of the cross and I can bring it back into the subconscious that if my sins are forgiven, forgotten forever, your sins against me are not greater than the grace that has been extended to me. So your sins are forgiven, forgotten forever. If you believe that in this place, give God a praise in this room. Would you get up on your feet today? There's a famous quote that says this, and this is what's going to happen today here with your matrimony, with your relationship. Hey, if you're not in a relationship right now and you hope to be in one, Receive everything that was shared today. So into your marriage now. Even if, even if you're not in a marriage, so into your marriage right now. To forgive is to set a prisoner free and discover that the prisoner was you. So I want to speak to you today who has submitted yourself to the chair that Jesus is speaking to. And he says, I want you to get a greater revelation of my love. I want you to get a greater revelation of my forgiveness. And then, the same way you got it freely, you can freely give. And watch, when you do, you think that you're going to set them free. But you're actually setting yourself free. If that's you in this place, oh, 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 it doesn't apply just to marriage. You could apply this to anyone who's done wrong in your life. The same principle works in any kind of relationship in your life. If that's you, I want to pray for you. If that's you, I want to pray for you. I want to pray. Can our prayer counselors come up? Thank you, Jesus. If you're in this place and you say, I, I just need the laptop. I want you to pray this prayer with me. And God is going to set some people free today. Jesus is not here to help you. He's here to heal you. The Holy Spirit told me that in this series, there will be many people whose hearts will be healed. He told me that. If you're in this place, would you just, at the count of three, I want you to lift up your hands if you say, I think it's time I become better at forgiving. One, two, three. Three, lift up your hands, lift up your hands. The Holy Spirit is going to minister to your heart right now. If today you want to receive a greater revelation of God's love and forgiveness over your life, say, that's me, that's me, that's me. If today in faith, in faith, remember this is kingdom. This is not natural, this is supernatural. I want to release what I've received freely that's you I want you to be so bold to meet me right here and I want to pray with you meet me come on come 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 to this altar come come start making your way up to the front come on God's gonna move in this place I want you to just repeat this prayer don't be afraid no one's judging you here take this step you're investing into your future you're investing into come on come on come come closer 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 hey 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 shout out God. 
God is bringing up this memory to make it malleable. He's not bringing it up to destroy you. He's not bringing it up to condemn you. He's not bringing it up to judge you. He's not bringing it up to cause you pain. But he's bringing it up so that we can submit it to the obedience of Christ. So I want you to repeat this prayer. I want you to say, Thank you, Jesus for forgiving me let that sit in just let that sit in right there right there right there one more time come on say with me thank you Jesus for forgiving me come on receive his love receive his love receive his grace there it is 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 the enemy's not gonna have your heart one more time, say thank you, Jesus, for forgiving me. My sins are forgiven. My past is forgiven. The harm I caused is forgiven. Now I want you to say this with me. Say, I fully receive your forgiveness. I want you to say, God. I declare by faith that I forgive. I want you to say their name right there in your heart. And I want you to say, I forgive. Say their name. For. And then I want you to say for what they did. It's right it's between you and Jesus. You don't have to yell it out. You can just whisper it right there where you are. Now we did that as an act of faith. I want you to say this. Lord, heal every wound, every wound, every hurt, every pain that has tied itself to my soul, that is trying to take control of my personality. And I want you to bring me back to who you created me to be created me to be to who you made me all along the one that's created in your image I declare that in you I am healed I declare that in you I am healed I declare that in you every pain every offense of unforgiveness is healed in the name of Jesus I am whole amen and amen give God a praise in this room come on all over